Hi, I'm Gordon Draper. Welcome to the Cyber Consulting Room podcast, where we delve into the minds of influential figures shaping the landscape of cybersecurity. In today's episode, we have the privilege of hosting Sid Siddhar, a luminary in the field of information security. Sid's journey is a testament to his entrepreneurial spirit. Transitioning from a serial InfoSec entrepreneur to an angel investor with a keen eye for setting up and scaling businesses. A distinguished graduate from IIT Kanpur in India, Sid brings over 15 years of invaluable experience to our conversation. His passion for collaborating with brilliant minds and breathing life into cutting edge technologies is truly inspiring. Sid has graced the stages of renowned international security events like Black Hat, DEF CON and Hack in the Box, sharing his insights and expertise. Notably, he has contributed significantly to the field through authored articles, exploits, white papers, and even authored books on crucial topics surrounding application and database security. Join us as we unravel the experiences and wisdom of Sid Siddharth in this exclusive podcast interview. Hi, I'm Gordon Draper, and I'm the host of the Cyber Consulting Room podcast. I'm at Black Hat training sessions today in Las Vegas, and I've got Sid Siddharth with me, who is the CEO of the SecOps Group. Thank you, Gordon. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Can you give us a bit of a background about yourself? I'm the founder, director, CEO of the business, the SecOps Group. This is my second business. I started off as a pen tester 16 years ago. Spoke at numerous Black Hats, Defcons, Hack in the Box. Did the usual hacker stint, which is articles, exploits, advisories, books, white papers, those kind of things, t-shirts, coffee mugs. I transitioned from a techie to an entrepreneur in 2013. I found a business in 2013 called Not So Secure, which was a consultancy and trading business that did pretty well. In 2018, I sold that business to a company called Claranet Group. That was my first exit. And then uh, two years later, I had the entrepreneur itch again. And I picked up from where I left and I said, I can do this again and possibly bigger and better and different. I can dwell on the previous learnings, hopefully get to where I was quicker. So yeah, with that in mind, I started SecOps Group, which has now been going for two years. And we are at uh, 22 consultants in that business. That's really good. It's uh, 22 consultants for just a couple of years. of yeah. uh, you're not a brand new name, so it's people will flock to you, which is good. Yeah, I mean, we have been blessed. I've had a good name in the industry. People have reached out. Yeah, you always have the previous experience to dwell on, which really helps. In general, doing something again, you will probably find that you can get to the same point much quicker than what you did last time. You have something to dwell on, what worked, what did not work. So let's not do that. Plus your risk appetite is slightly bigger. You know, you are maybe when you are a first-time entrepreneur, you spend cautiously. Yeah, you don't have as much safety debt. Right, right, right. So you're a little bit more bold, a little bit more adventurous second time around. Now I have a different challenge, wherein my challenge is, can I go one step higher than where I was? I guess that sort of leads me to one of my questions is, how did you get into cybersecurity slash information security? Oh man, that has been, it's been a long time. It's going back 16 years, but I used mm. to have some hair. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose in the uni days, so I graduated from India's number one university or fortunate enough to graduate from there, which had a fantastic network. You're talking 2000 and, well, I went into the university 2001 when hacking was not necessarily an established field. Mm. Pen testing wasn't really a term that too many people knew of. If you told them that you did hacking for a living, people would look down upon you. <laughs> mm -hmm. The university had a very good network. Network security was a thing. 
So I picked it up. I did not graduate from computer science. I graduated from material science and metallurgy. But second year of engineering, I realized I made an error and I need mm-hmm. to fix it now before it's too late. So fortunately, I picked up hacking during the university days. And by the end of fourth year, I was pretty sure this is where I want to go in. I've always been very clear in my head. If there's one takeaway, people should take away from by wasting or, or spending 30 minutes listening to me is clarity of thought. To me, that has stuck as the one very key phrase in my life. The sooner you get the clarity of thought, the better it is for you. The better you can make actions on it. Right. Even if you make bad decisions, at least you are clear, you know, what are you doing? Mm. Especially in the startup world, there is a thing called fail fast. Again, for that also, you need to have clarity of thought. There you tried, you failed. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, that's the reality of right. that feedback loop. You're right, right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you decided in university. So for me, it was, um, did my undergrad in electrical engineering around the same time. So I finished up in 2006. My favorite subject elective was computer network security taught by uh, Matt Barry, who right now runs Freelancer. But it's based on a Stanford computer network security course. If you look at majority of the folks in InfoSec space, Hardly, maybe 5%, maybe even less, would have actually had a degree in computer science. At the time, yeah. Even now, I feel. Well, some of them are transitioning in and they're they're bringing in with masters to do the transition. That's my path. I went down a master's of IT security and came into a space where I could transition from the electrical engineering and power, which is a power still a very critical industry. So it's a very interesting field. The way I look at it is obviously pen testing is when you change the application logic or make it do things it is not intended to do. That field attracts people with that sort of mindset. So and that sort of mindset, you can't necessarily train or teach in a university. You're either born with it or you have a natural inclination towards breaking things, etc. To me, it is actually very heartening when I see people not with so much educational background or relevant educational background, but still doing really well. Did you always want to be in cybersecurity? Though, I suppose the metallurgical analysis, engineering, you signed up to start that degree. Thank God for that. Uh, otherwise, I would be making iron and steel somewhere in some furnace. <laughs> After I graduated from IITs, I took up a job at IBM because from campus, the bus comes and everybody sits in that bus and everybody becomes a software engineer, at least in India. And I was also one of the passengers in those bus. Two months down the line, I realized, no, 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 no this is not going to happen. I'm not going to end up becoming yet another minion typing keyboard for somebody. So yeah, that was a good decision. I suppose that as an engineer or as a consulting engineer, IBM, so they do a few different things. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've not really been suitable for corporate lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I I realized it early on. After that, I've always worked in startups or had my own startup, fortunate enough. At one point in time, one of the startups I used to work for got acquired by a big enterprise and I ended up again in an enterprise, irrespective of my life choices, but that didn't last long. (laughs) So do you have any other education qualifications other than the undergrad? Not really. I took some training courses. Mostly it has been self-learned. And I think you will find most people in our industry are self-taught. Definitely. Especially at that point in time, there weren't any necessarily defined or great training courses. Certainly not as much as you have right now. I mean, right now the internet is just full of resources, easily available resources, free resources, good resources, labs, VMs, all sorts. It's a lot different than what it was even 10 years ago. Right, 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 right. And it's constantly evolving. So you're here with the SecOps group at Black Hat training, uh, helping them out with the Black Hat certified pen tester exams. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about that? The previous business was a training business. We did a lot of trainings. When I started this business, I was fed up with trainings. So I said, look, I want to get back to Black Hat. I want to get back to the industry, which has given me so much. But I just do not have the time and capacity to do trainings again. So we looked at the model and we said, we are going to write exams. Being an independent authority who only runs exams and not the trainings, it will give us a lot more credibility in time to come. What we've done is we've created exams and we have exams at different levels. We have an entry-level examination category under which we have entry-level app segment practitioner, entry-level network security practitioner, AWS security practitioner, blockchain practitioner. And then we have professional exams, which are hands-on hacking exams. And under professional exams, we have, again, application pen tester, network pen tester, Android pen tester. And we are adding some more categories to it. Again, AWS, Azure pen tester, et cetera, et cetera. So we reached out to Black Hat and we said, of all these things that you do, why don't we include an exam-only track in which people come and validate their skills in a proctored environment? You have already validated people's ID before you have given them the badge. We know who they are. And if they sit and take an exam in a proctored environment... That's a good idea. An in-person proctored exam. Right. So which will be one of its kind. So Black Hat really liked the idea. So this is the inaugural exam that we are doing. And we are fortunate enough to partner with the likes of Black Hat. And my vision with this is that I will be Black Hat's guinea pig and I'm introducing Black Hat Certified Pentester. But maybe next year under the certification or examination track, they can have five more exams. Reverse engineering expert or malware expert or anything. The you know, sky is the limit. Oh, definitely. You've also run some not so secure and the SecOps group, your bread and butter is consulting as well. Mm-hmm. That means that you're having to look for consultants to employ. So what challenges do you come across in the hiring of the right consultant for the right job? I think hiring is challenging in our sector. Earlier, it was lack of talent. These days, we are getting, because of the state of the market and the economy, we are getting a lot of people available. And you have to make sure that people cannot just talk the talk, but also walk the walk. Unfortunately or fortunately, we are living in the world where people are blessed with so many options. I don't know if you recall, in our days, we used to have Paros Proxy. Even Burp wasn't there back then early on. (laughs) So every single exploit, every single exploitation was made of blood, sweat and tears. Now, today's day and age, people are fortunate enough to have really modern state-of-the-art tools. And the challenge then becomes, yes, you can run a tool and you can make the tool do what it is supposed to do. But do you actually still understand the basics? Do you still understand the art and the craft and what goes on in the background? So if you get stuck, you have the troubleshooting skills as well. I think that is the number one challenge. We are getting a lot of people who comes from bug bounty background. They know one or two class of exploitation or vulnerabilities and they are happy to spray those across multiple targets and think that they are really good. Pen testing or consultancy is different. You have to be thorough. Mm. You need to have a breadth of expertise across AppSec or whatever you are selling. I think those are the challenges. Making sure that you have an examination process or certification process or you know screening process to validate those kind of skills is important. Fortunately, with our exams, we use them in our recruitment process and we are also helping other enterprises with our exams. That's actually pretty cool. Mentioned that you have spent some time as a consultant and which countries have you been a consultant in for cyber? I did one year for India, starting off for a company called NII Consulting in Mumbai. And then I was fortunate enough to take a job in UK, a company called Portcullis. In 2006, I had entered to work for this company and I was thrown into a mix in a room. Back then, there was no work from home culture. Everybody was in an office. These geeks and nerds in a room, 20 odd nerds. And as things turned out, or now when I look back at those times, 
I was so fortunate to have worked with some of the best talents in the world. So I'll give you some names and that might surprise you. One of the names in that room was um, Alberto, the guy who wrote SQL Map. The other name was a guy called Ferro Mavitina, who would go on to write a tool called NetSparker, which is now Invicti, a unicorn. Another guy wrote a tool called Nipper, Cisco firewall rule set auditing tool. Alberto, who wrote SQL Ninja. Do you know of a website called Pintest Monkey? That guy was in the row as well, one of our best friends. The role of peer in somebody's success or failure, I think, is less documented. Once you get put into a right mix and you have, you are surrounded. Culture is king. Culture is king. Exactly. With the environment, with people that are experts in their field and everyone's getting along with each other. Well, there's friction in all situations as we know, but the ideal is that everyone gets along. And when I got thrown into that culture or that mix of people, my immediate reaction was dissent or, or disagree that, look, I know I'm better than these people and maybe somewhere. Over a period of time, I had to let go of that ego and understand that these guys are actually miles better than me. And I have two options, either to you know sit on my ego or to actually learn from them. And when I crossed that bridge, suddenly life was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> my advice to people is, you know, be open to change, be open to accepting that this guy is actually better than you and learn from him. I'm fairly humble myself. I don't like going around saying whether I'm measuring myself against other people. Mm-hmm. It's all about uh, what you know and and how you apply it. And it doesn't matter how you are against other people. And I'll share some thoughts on that. I think you asked me some very good questions about recruitment. I think, and this is just my entrepreneur take on it. My philosophy on this is some employers take that view that this guy is only ever going to work for me. Nobody's going to work for anybody forever. Okay, the sooner we accept it, the better. (laughs) We all are going to get a window of opportunity to work with or for each other. And we need to make the most of it. So I was fortunate enough to hire some people who would then one day come to me and said, I want to leave the business. I want to start my own business. And I knew that I spent three years, four years with them and they are genius at what they do. Chances are that if they start their business, they will be successful again and maybe even more successful than me. So I was open-minded. Okay, look guys, what are you doing? Maybe I can invest some money in your business, be part of your business. And that's how some of my initial investments or my journey as an angel investor started. My advice to people who hire people, don't put labels on people. Yes, you may have hired him for a role of pen tester. Over time, try to appreciate and understand his ability to do above and beyond things and try to create a role for that person and see how better he can do. Again, it's all about that window. You only got a certain amount of time with each person that you're working with. Something that I'm noticing is that consultants are looking to do some work outside of their business, uh, mm-hmm. like as a side hustle kind of thing. So just curious, do you allow your consultants to work or do you have non-competes? So when I started Sarkov's Group, we had a very open policy and we still have it. And we have a very open culture about it. Pentesters are going to do bug bounties their own time, whether you like it or not. Whatever you want them to sign, they will sign it, but they will still do it. So the sooner you realize it and accept it and create a culture to still, you know, accept it and maybe not necessarily encourage it or encourage it during working hours. But if I... Obviously, do, if as long as it's not going to impact the right. evenings and weekends. Right, right, right. As long as they're fresh on the working hours, mm. as long as those boundaries are respected, mm. I think everybody wins. At the end of the day, not everybody goes through 100% utilization. If people have downtime, and they want to enhance their skills and get benefit out of doing bug bounties, why would I have a problem with it? That's an interesting situation because if you've got bench time mm-hmm. in the consultancy and they're doing some vulnerability research for bug bounties, 
that's on your time. I don't mind because I don't have anything else to get them occupied. I hope that you know, when they do release a bug bounty, etc., they might be able to credit the company or mm. whatever they've learned or acquired in that process will rub off each other. Oh, definitely. And, you know, we will be collectively better. So what is one of your most memorable experiences when you have been consulting on cybersecurity? So this goes back, again, more than a decade, etc., but possibly some of my working colleagues can relate to this. During my consultancy days, I took a liking towards SQL injection. I actually did a, wrote a book on, wrote a book on SQL injection. And SQL injection was my thing. My first ever training at Black Hat was called The Art of Exploiting SQL Injection. And it actually covered a lot of interesting topics, uh, which we probably have been missed over a period of time. I was doing this exploitation and I was hell-bent that, look, this application is vulnerable to SQL IE. The tools were not as mature back then. So it was all manual and you don't necessarily get the feedback right away. Suddenly, I was just testing a forget password functionality. There was a call from the client and said, look, we think the password of all of our 10,000 users have been reset to something random or something constant. Do you think it could be pen testing? Part of me was so happy that my exploit worked. <laughs> but nobody in the team was interested in knowing that my exploit worked. They were like, how do we calm this customer down? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, there's the customer's got to be, you don't really want anything destructive, right? 10,000 users to the new password reset. <laughs> so yeah, that's one story. It's definitely one of your memorables. Mm. Would you ever consult again, but as a virtual sizer rather than a pen tester? Even today, I'm very hands-on as a CEO. I like to get involved in what's going on, what have we found, what have we not found. Keep a very open eye on what is the new kind of vulnerabilities, etc. And I think that is how the modern day CEO's life goes. Yeah, I wouldn't personally consult, but I would keep a very close eye. That's where the startups have an edge over maybe say bigger consultancies. Attention to detail. Maybe startups are able to provide that more personal touch. Be able to handpick resources for each job, understand what each job requires. Why is it different or same? as any other project. So that's where I think if it flows from the top level, then in the cultural, it is a good fit as well for others in the company. Any kind of cultural change or cultural influence needs to come from the top. We're at Black Hat Training, but I'm sure you've been to some other conferences uh, over the last few months, over the last six months, for example. What have you seen or heard at conferences that really stands out? I think obviously there's new research which stands out to me. I think we went through a period of lull where Suddenly, we were not seeing too many web-based attacks. We were seeing a lot of active directories or advancements in active directory mm-hmm. kind of attacks. With people like James Cattle, etc., they have put the focus back on AppSec. And suddenly, AppSec is again evolving. I think that is good for somebody from web app pen testing background. That is really good to see. There are always new tools around, I think, the evolution of Arsenal, where people are just writing tools to make other pen testers' life easier, etc., has been good. And in general, the industry is growing which is a good sign for us. That's definitely growing. Uh, we're getting a lot of people coming in, people from diverse backgrounds. That, right, right, right. Uh, the diversity of thought, diversity of people in the industry is a very good sign. You get some positive impact of different people, but different backgrounds. It's, a, it's an intelligent conflict. It's actually better for the organization because better ideas and absolutely will be tested. What's one thing in your consulting history that the consultancy did that you didn't expect? I'm not talking necessarily about your own, but as a yeah. consultant. I think we talked a little bit about labeling people and I think not keeping an open view on it. I think that is a very common mistake which consultancies do. The approach or necessarily the reaction of consultancies when somebody leaves a company, sometimes that can have a bitter effect. Burning bridges was won by consultants and by companies. 
is an unfortunate situation, but that's part and parcel of it. I think uh, my view on this is that nobody's going to work forever for anybody. Again, it's a case of utilizing and maximizing that window. What is a common myth about the consulting industry? Everybody thinks that uh, they are better. Everybody thinks that, you know, they are superior. I don't think anybody is superior to anybody. At the end of the day, we are all open testers. We are all learning of each other, only as good as each other. And that is why we are coexisting. I think now the industry is kind of more accepting that fact. Earlier, we were all living in our own little bubbles, thinking, hey, we are better than this, we are better than that. <laughs> so, yeah. For our listeners, what is one of the most important lessons you've learned over your career? I think no shortcuts. Clarity of thought is very important. You're not going to succeed without putting in the hard work. Learn the art, work on it, dwell on an idea for a period of time, perfect it, make sure that you have enough sample size to make a judgment call on it. And likewise, uh, I suppose, that is there any pieces of advice that you'd give to someone starting out in cybersecurity? So as a fellow cyber entrepreneur, anybody who's starting a business in cybersecurity, everybody has thoughts, right? Everybody's ideas. It's important to have a decent degree of validation around that idea before you start. So don't just give up your well-paid job tomorrow and say, I want to do this. I'm very passionate about it. Spend some time, run some test cases. What if this fails? What is plan B? What is plan C? How am I going to get there? Is it going to sell? Who is a typical customer? What would it look like? Build a plan, validate it with some ideas. At the same time, you're only going to live once. So somebody, when I was starting Not So Secure, the guy who runs Pentest Monkey, actually, I went to him and I said, you know, hey, mate, what do you think? Will this work? Will this not work? He gave me one liner and uh, that has stuck with me forever. And he said, look, said, what's the worst that can happen? It will not work. But in two years time or whenever you decide to come back, will you not be able to do pen testing? You will still be able to run Nessus. You will still be able to validate findings. Mm. So what is it that you lose? Maybe some time, but at least yeah. you will have a good validation in your skills. You know, what has worked, what has not worked. I said, yeah. Uh, cybersecurity skills are not going away. Right. No harm in having a crack. So I thought it was a very well-calculated risk that I took back then. And my advice to people is left-hand side of the equation, right-hand side of the equation, balance it out. Have to evaluate, is it worth it? If so, act on it. You'll still be able to have a job in cybersecurity afterwards if it doesn't work yeah. out. What underrated tools or frameworks are indispensable for your job? I mean, your job is not necessarily pen testing much right now, although I'm sure you're keeping your fingers across the latest uh, tools and exploits. Is there any tools or frameworks that you're using or recommending? I am not necessarily never been a tools person, but I think from pen testing perspective, there are some tools of trade, Burp Suite, et cetera, et cetera, which are indispensable now and they're getting better with time. So thanks mm -hmm. to that community and force figure, et cetera. Just some cultural things. Uh, what's the last hacker or cybersecurity movie that you've seen or book? This is the second time somebody's asked me. You may laugh at this, but my favorite book on hacking is TCP IP Illustrated. I would highly recommend people. I think that changed my perception about network security, just understanding how things work. Before you do anything, just understand the basics. Yeah, I was mentoring someone. I wanted to get into cybersecurity. And I said, right, he's a do a networking course. Just, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, right, right. And that's exactly what you need. So the ins and outs of yeah. TCP, IP, that's such a huge topic. Right, right, so right. important. Uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I still live in Cambridge, where I currently live. <laughs> oh, very nice. I suppose I can live anywhere I want to live now, but I chose to live in Cambridge because my kids go to school there and it's their life there. So my life revolves around their lives. What are three cybersecurity books you would recommend? Already said TCP IP Illustrated. Mm -hmm. It's very important. I'll recommend the Web Application Hackers Handbook. 
I'll recommend my own SQL injection attacks and defense. <laughs> <laughs> very good. If you can still buy it. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I remember reading a web application hackers handbook and in there is a, I was reading it on paper and uh, there's a section in there on um, printed out on uh, Rick Rowling as a culture. I'm like, wait, I'm reading a hackers textbook and it's actually talking about Rick Rowling. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> fair enough. This is in a book. It's a yeah. textbook. It must be legit. Finally, uh, where can listeners find you online? Please do. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Search by name, Sumit Siddharth. Get to me as a hello at secops.group or sid at secops.group. Well, thank you very much for sharing some time to have a chat. Wayne. Thanks for having and, me. Uh, and hopefully some good things come from the people listening to your advice. Thank you so much. As we wrap up this insightful episode of the Cyber Consulting Room podcast, I want to extend our sincere gratitude to Sid Siddharth for generously sharing his wealth of knowledge and experience with us. Sid's journey from a serial InfoSec entrepreneur to an angel investor is not just inspiring, but also illuminating for our audience. His passion for innovation, coupled with a deep understanding of cybersecurity, has undoubtedly left an indelible mark on our discussion. We're truly thankful for the engaging conversation, and we hope our listeners have gained valuable insights into the dynamic world of information security. A special thanks to Sid Siddharth and to our listeners, Stay tuned for more captivating conversations in the realm of cyber consulting.